Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Feel free to call in, message us if you'd like, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And a great text message. We just played the Paul Harvey, his story on Sean Connery, who over the weekend passed away at the age of 90, said, instant flashback to being in the truck with my dad. He always listened to him. Rest in peace, both of them. Aw. That's something. Isn't that amazing how it can take you right back? There's just these little things that just take you right there. And we all have special ones in our life that we lose, and we have those memories of them. Remember what Mr. Rogers did? It was a pretty touching moment. I think he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he took the stage, and he said, let's just for 30 seconds remember someone that means a lot to us and helped us get where we are today, just for 30 seconds. And he looks at us, and he said, I'll look at my watch. And then for 30 seconds of silence, you can see all these people in the room crying, they were just so, they were crying. Mr. Rogers, I don't know how he did it. He can get anyone crying. And then when it was up, he said, I have a feeling they liked that you were thinking about them. And I feel like that in so many different ways. Um, my son doesn't quite understand that just yet. So we were doing our nightly prayers, and he's laying in bed, and we do this routine where I ask him, so what are you thankful for today? What, what's, some, what's something you're thankful for? And he, he says it. And we start to say our prayer, and I mentioned how a year ago we had to put our dog down, and it was a sad thing, you know. Oh, we got to put the. It, it, I think about how much that dog meant to me. It was my spirit dog, meaning I had a pure connection. Me and that dog, there was just something about it. We were perfect together. I had adopted the dog from the shelter before I was married. He was the original. He was the original. Then the wife comes along after. <laughs> and it was a very difficult thing last year. And it's still, you know, you see these memories pop up on Facebook. You know, the difficult times you go through and the decisions you had to make. And it was just the only thing you can do. 
And my son says, well, Dad, I hope you die soon, too, so you can see the dog again. So you can, you can see our dog again. So I hope I don't die soon. <laughs> and, you know, I would. He said, Cooks, you'll, you'll see Gotti in heaven. I said, yeah, I know, but uh, just not yet. Uh, hopefully it's not sometime soon. It was a nice sentiment, though. I think he, <laughs> I think he really meant that. Oh, you know, election night is just around the corner. So we have, of course, Monday night here on Overnight America. And I'm not really planning on taking calls from politicians. The only politician I would actually allow to call into the show is Donald Trump if he wanted to. That is the only person that would be allowed to call in. So I, I really want to hear from you, meaning that on Monday night we're going to take a ton of your calls. We're going to look at the election. We're going to get your feeling. We're going to just basically gauge where we're at. And then it's just going to be a wild night. I'm hoping here in about 20 minutes we hook up with our friend Shane Hewitt, who's up in Canada. He hosts The Late Shift there. And what we normally do is just kind of talk about what's going on in Canada, what's going on here in the United States. But in Canada, they pay very close attention to American politics, much more than what we do. We don't pay much attention at all to Canada. I mean, do you even know the prime minister of Canada's name? You may know it, probably know it. Some of you, I'm guessing, don't. But, you know, in Canada, they all know Donald Trump, right? That's a pretty big deal for them. Election night, though, Tuesday night here on KMOX, you're going to be... Listening to Michael Calhoun, he's going to be anchoring the coverage here. And I think Hancock and Kelly are going to be in and doing some things in Studio 2. I'm actually going to be down the hall, and I'm going to be doing digital things, meaning I'm going to be on KMOX.com, on the KMOX Facebook, and the different social media websites. So I'm not actually going to be on the air on Tuesday night. Yeah, I get relegated down to the digital room. But if you want to, when you're searching and looking and figuring out what's going on with the election, just kind of add me to your own. He's on our sister station, 97.1, co-host of the Annie Fry Show, Ryan Wiggins. How are you? Hello, other Ryan. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> I know. It is neat when we get to uh, talk together. In fact, anytime I come down the hall and work with you guys when Annie Fry is out. There's always the confusion. The two Ryans on the show, somehow it works out, though. Well, it's it's even worse that we're both Ryan W. So <laughs> it's, it's, we got to go to, like, third, second or third letter to even figure out who's who. I know. It's like the contingency list. You just got to go down the list and figure out, okay, now if that doesn't work, then what's the next course of action that we have to take? Um, I know you're a big polling geek. Anytime I'm on the show there, you talk about polling and what do the numbers look like? How are things breaking down? And basically, there's new numbers out regularly, consistently, all the time. In fact, I'm guessing every time you refresh your phone, there's another poll talking about the presidential race. And I messaged you. And I asked, is there something out there, any wild predictions or anything that you were not picking up on that you as someone that monitors polling would? And you said, oh, yeah, there's some things. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going down this election. Yeah, so I've got some hot drops here. Uh, here we go. So uh, the interesting thing is as much as I watch polls, I've realized this election season that Polls are really the reason that they're interesting to watch is obviously to get an indicator of what the national mood is, what's happening in the race, what we can expect on November, whatever it is in any given year this year, November 4th, um, our third. <laughs> I think I messed that up already. Um, you voted but, early, so uh, to you, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, November 3rd. Yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be on vacation that week, so I already early voted, so I'm not even keeping track of whether it's the November third, but it is the third. Um, so the the interesting thing this time, because everybody knows there's so much more early voting happening, that we've actually got more data to look at from early voting than we ever do, and uh, it's being tracked more closely than ever because there's so much more of it. So. I'm of the opinion, and now some of the poll people are not like this, but I'm of the opinion that if you've got 6 million votes already cast in Florida, why would you look at 600 people's polling preferences versus 6 million actual votes that have already been tallied? Um, and so it's, it's tricky because with early voting, we don't actually know how they voted. We only know their party affiliation. Mm -hmm. So we can track whether you know, X amount of the, the 6 million that have come in in any given state like Florida are Republican versus Democrat. And then you have this leftover amount that are independent. So, um, so we'll take Florida, for example, just because we're talking about it right now, um, going into election day, the campaigns themselves, the Democrat party said, well, we know that we're going to be ahead. And this is in every state. We know that we're going to be ahead because we've pushed mail-in voting so much and early voting so much that we need to have X amount of registered Democrats who voted before election day because obviously Republicans are going to have a bigger election day turnout than mail-in. So that number was at around six to 700,000 that they wanted to have built up going into election day to where they could feel pretty comfortable that they would take the state. Mm -hmm. Right now, Dems are still ahead of Republicans in Florida, but they're only ahead by about 200,000 registered voters, which is within the margin that Republicans wanted to be at. And of course, there's still a few days. So Republicans are looking really good in Florida. Um, the same can be said of Texas and Georgia based on early voting returns. Um, and Ohio, Ohio, surprisingly, you know, is Florida and Ohio are usually the ultimate swing states, right? Mm -hmm. um, those two states, and we don't know yet, of course. I mean, there's always a caveat of like, wait till the actual vote happens. But Ohio and Florida both look like they are trending permanently as, as much as anything can be permanently Republican. Wow. Um, those are, are going to be states that are looking more and more out of play for Democrats in the future. Wow. You mentioned Texas for a moment. Why do the Democrats think they can take Texas? That's something I don't understand. Well, I think that's a pipe dream still right now. Um, <clears throat> it is trending more and more blue than it has been in the past, and it's such a huge, I mean, 38 electoral votes is a big, big deal. And lots and lots of congressional races there. So Democrats are focusing on it more than they used to because it is a little bit more in play, but it's not there yet. Uh, and I, I just don't think that it's a smart move. I mean, right now, among Georgia, Texas, and Florida, I think the Trump campaign has, has pulled all their on-the-ground people and resources out of those three states because they're so confident in them. Democrats have done the same, except that they are doing some Joe Biden appearances in Texas, but the speculation is that those are more for congressional seats than it is for the actual presidential race. Mm, Kamala Harris, I heard, was traveling to Texas. I didn't know if Joe Biden was, but yeah, you see some of the different rallies for Joe Biden 
it's uh, it, it's tough because before I remember we said the same thing with Mitt Romney when he was drawing some crowds. All oh, the enthusiasms there. Oh, Mitt, look at that! It was more than John McCain. That's an indicator that he can beat Barack Obama. Well, that never happened. But then you see Donald Trump come in, and all of a sudden he's pulling—I mean, legit like rock star style audiences to show up at his rallies and they realize, wow, there's this X factor here we're probably not factoring in and then all of a sudden Donald Trump wins the presidency. Well, I, I know you can't judge everything on crowd sizes, but when I see a difference between Joe Biden versus a Donald Trump, I think there's something to that that maybe the polling's not picking up on. You, you know, I would have said before 2016 that, that crowd sizes really didn't matter at all. Um, but then we saw that comparatively with 2016 for Trump's crowds versus Hillary's crowds, crowd, crowd, it really was an indicator. And then, you know, I've probably seen some of the same stuff as you're referencing about Mitt Romney in 2012. You know, people have put put his pictures of his rallies up around the country and he didn't do as many as Trump. So that's one thing. But he had some pretty good crowds. Mitt Romney did in 2012. Mm-hmm. The difference is, and of course, when people share that, what they're saying is, well, Mitt Romney had big crowds, too, and he lost, obviously. The difference, though, is that in 2012, Barack Obama also had giant crowds. Yeah. So you have a president right now that's not only doing four rallies a day and drawing those crowds, but the opposition, the you know, Biden is not drawing anything, and that's got to say something. And as Rush Limbaugh said at the time, it's hard to beat Santa Claus, and that was very true when you have someone that wants to give everything away. But, you know, looking at this race in 2020 and the way that the polling has worked out, some people look at and they say, see, um, that, that means Donald Trump's out of money. That's why he's pulling things out of certain areas. I think what really happens, I don't know if Donald Trump has a strong internal polling game because it seemed like, uh, even going into this last election, he maintained a lot of confidence, even more so than what you'd expect someone would have. And then uh, it ended up working out for him. The strategy worked out. We wonder if that strategy is going to work out again. Uh, it also makes me wonder if they've adjusted their polling, nationally speaking. But then I also found out, and this was kind of surprising, that some of these same models um, are also trending a little bit lower than where they were trending uh, Hillary Clinton, meaning Joe Biden's actually coming in a little bit uh, cooler than where Hillary Clinton was in some of these models. And then on top of that, um, I I think that some of these modeling predictors, the ones that truly embarrass themselves, are off the scene now. So you're not seeing as many uh, of the ones that you can compare to and try to look at how they handled 2016 versus now. So I I think there are a couple of uh, differences there, and it's kind of hard to you know, look exactly at the modeling from last election to this one. Yeah, I mean, Gallup is a good example of that. They're not doing presidential polling at all just because they have integrity and they thought, man, we just botched it. Um, but some of those numbers are tricky. Um, you know, like you said, certain demographic groups and areas of certain states are trending higher for Trump. And then you look at, you know, the Dem side and they'll say, well, some are trending lower, though. So some of that stuff, I don't know whether I can confidently say, you know, yeah, Trump's going to pick up some votes here or he's going to lose some here. I can say this. This is my hot drop for you. Okay, so this is the thing that I was I was really looking forward to sharing with you. So in states like Michigan and Wisconsin right now, those are states that when we look at this early voter data, it uh, it doesn't give us party affiliation because you don't have to register by party in those states. So it's a lot harder to track the early vote in states where you don't know the party affiliation when they drop their ballots off, except there, is, there are data firms, and NBC News is using <clears throat> this data firm called 
target smart to find out how these voters typically vote. And so they've got all kinds of metrics on literal individual people, not just like patterns, but every person dropping a ballot off, they have some sort of data on these people. In every state that they're using, and it's called modeled party data, in every state that that's happening, you're seeing Trump actually ahead by more than in the regular registration. That is indicating one of two things. Either this target smart data is not as good as you know, the actual registration, or it's better, and we're going to see Trump actually ahead in more states than we thought, because when you, you break it down like this, you're actually seeing more favoritism for a generic Republican candidate. Mm. I remember what the butterflies felt like during the last election when you looked at all of the different commentators and polls, and they all said Hillary Clinton's going to win by a landslide, and then the wild roller coaster of a night and the the swing yeah. of emotions in that moment where you're playing along at home and you have the website open where you can track your own electoral college votes and the hypotheticals and what could happen next, and then all of a sudden you start to realize, wait a minute, Trump could win this, and then you move on the next hour and you say wait a minute, Trump is going to win this. And it was what a shocking night. And I feel almost the exact same way. I almost feel like we're playing from behind based on what we're seeing. And I don't want to get too comfortable based on the experience we had in 2016. But at the same time, when we get into that night, it's going to be a nail-biting, high-anxiety type of night, I think. And it's a good thing you took the week off. I don't know if you're going to purposely try to stay away from election night coverage, or maybe uh, you took it off specifically so you could you know, <laughs> treat it like it's a Super Bowl pregame party. No, it's a Disney World vacation, and we, we had to reschedule it because they you know, have shut all the parks down. And I, I scheduled this week way back in May, and we went, oh, no, that's the week of the election. <laughs> so it, was, it was pretty stupid working at 97.1 and doing that, but uh, it, you know, it's, we're locked in the cell now. But um, you know, it's interesting that you say that, Ryan, about Hillary Clinton in 2016, because we all, everybody has that fresh in their memory, right? Um, but this year, What's really on on the ballot as far as polling goes, since you know I'm the poll geek, is is that if Biden wins, we're right back to business as usual as far as the polls and, and gathering data and things, because they will show that even if they weren't exactly right, they were generally right. If Trump wins, you're talking about the death of an entire industry. Like if you you can't get it wrong two times in a row that badly and expect that anybody's going to take you seriously. Right now, everybody's going, you know what? We'll forgive you for 2016. Quite an anomaly. If they do it again, it's over, and everything's got to be scrapped and started over. Oh, boy. Ryan Wiggins, thank you for giving us those hot polling takes and all of your knowledge dropping yeah. there over on our sister station, 97.1, as part of the Annie Fry Show. Thanks for coming on and joining us tonight. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line on Overnight America, KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm Ryan Recker, and we are, uh, I guess there's some internet issues where I'm at, so I'm actually connected via the phone line from the home basement trying to figure all of this out. And this is the time we'd be hooking up with Canada and the Late Shift and Shane Hewitt, who's been hosting the Late Shift and doing a fantastic job. May or may not be monitoring. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Hello, Shane. Are you there? No, not quite yet. Well, I know that they were kind of uh, waiting for us 
Oh, they're playing a clip on there. Okay, so they were waiting for us mostly because uh, we told them we'd be a couple of minutes late trying to figure out what we were doing with the technical difficulty side of things. Um, and when the Internet goes out, this is maybe the second time this has happened since I've been here working from home. Um, you know, we've worked through it. We've always find ways to make it do. And I think if I have to do a show by the phone, we can do it by the phone. Let's see if we can hook up with Shane Hewitt there. Hello, Shane. Have you come back there, buddy? You're there? You're connected? Uh, no, I'm not connected. I'm actually over the phone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to hope and pray that the uh, internet gets back up before the end of the show. Wouldn't that be nice if it came up while we were talking? Yeah, that'll be great. Well, if you have to jump off and do a little uh, reconnect there, I'll pad for time for you. So don't worry about that. Um, it's happened to me too. Okay. It's one of these things about working from home from COVID. Um, really? So, well, so tell uh, me. Yeah, oh yeah, it's happened to you before. Yeah, it's happened to me before. Um, when I do the show from Ottawa from time to time, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what they do. It's like sometimes the internet companies, they're like, hey, now would be a great time to unplug it or restart this <laughs> or plug in the new piece. And everything goes down for for a second. I've been lucky, though. It's always sort of happened in the news breaks, mostly at the top of the hour. But if you ever want, uh, the, the people who do the hard work in our shows, as I'm sure you'll attest yeah. to, uh, the, the the guys and gals who are in the studios doing the buttons and making the things happen, they start to sweat when you and I disappear. It's funny. Oh, I know. Well, this one, it's been down for probably about 20 minutes now. And it's only happened one other time, at least from my home, where the Internet's gone down. And it went down for probably 10 minutes or so when it happened. And it came back up fairly quick. This is uh, stretching it, so I'm hoping it's not a long-term deal. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for humoring me in the conversation that I asked you to chat about tonight, Ryan, because I did want to chat about uh, your election coming up. There's been an awful lot of stories about fences and lawyers and legal activity before anything really, really, uh, you know, really he's even started. I mean, how much of this are you seeing down there uh, in and around your world? Oh, things getting heated. It's uh, it's true. And well, what we're finding is a couple of things. So you have the election itself and you have people that, of course, want their person to win. And then you have the other side of it, the personal toll of it, the, the people that anxiety is at an all time high for them because they're afraid of what could happen if the other person wins. And then there's the other side, which is people bracing for violence, which a lot of major cities are starting to do. Like even here in St. Louis, they've uh, gone around and a lot of businesses are boarding up their windows because they're afraid that if, uh, you know, for example, if, if Donald Trump wins and Joe Biden loses, they're afraid that kind of the mobs that you start to see when there's some sort of social unrest will go through and start smashing windows again. And it's uh, it's it's a wide variety of emotions right now, all of which I think are unhealthy. There's not a lot of good emotions going down. So that's going to be the hard part of uh, what we're seeing on Tuesday. And then again, I don't even know if we'll know by Tuesday because there's so many mail-in ballots and different um, people that have voted early. 90 million people, that's the latest count, have voted early. So we might not even get those tabulated by the nighttime. It just depends on how long it takes for some of them to get in based on what the local regulations are and the state regulations. So it could be a wild week. It might not just be a night. Well, and that's one of the things that's interesting to me. I mean, the way that elections work, and they pretty much work the same everywhere from now, I know that in your world, each state has different rules around mail-in ballots and when and how those can be counted. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about how the broadcast media typically declares a winner. And then a bunch of days later, the legal tally comes in, and then the winner is actually declared. Now, it seems like politically in your world right now, um, you know, they're trying to spin that this way, that way. Both parties are spinning it this way and that way about 
uh, the legality of it when it has nothing to do with legality. It's just the sort of the, the math of the potential outcome. Well, I think the legal question you'll find in the United States is if ballots are counted or not. So each state kind of has their own way that they regulate ballots. Like here in Missouri, if you're going to vote early, it needs to be certified. Like a notary has to actually notify, you know, needs to say it was you that was submitting this. So it's verified in that sense. Some places say you can send it in and it could be going through the verification process, you know, three days later. Some states have seven days later. So it just depends on state-by-state basis. So here's what I think the question is going to be. If the race is really close and then mail-in ballots continue to come in because the the mail system's overloaded because there's 90 million people that, you know, voted early either in person or over the mail or whatever it is. So let's say it's not their fault. They got the ballot in the mail. It was postmarked at the right time, but it didn't get to the actual state until after what the deadline was for the state. Will those votes be counted? And that's what we're, I think we're going to see when it comes to a legal contention. Will certain votes that get in late, even though they were postmarked, be counted or not? And then that could change the election. Now, that's going to be the, the big thing. If, if it's so close that it gets to that point, now that's going to be a huge battle. Well, if you're a citizen, I don't know about you, Ryan, but if, if I voted and I followed all of the rules, right, and then my vote doesn't count, man, that's going to be a fight. That's a tough one. Well, the question is, following the rules, the rule is based on what the state law is. And so if the state law says it has to be in to them within a certain amount of days, that means that they always recommend send it in two weeks early. So let's say you send right. it in past what they recommend, just for you saying that you want to send it in, I don't know, a, a two days before the election. You think, okay, it's earlier than when I would have actually gone to the ballot box and put my vote in in person. This is what the states recommend. They say if it's within this threshold, you have to take your mail-in ballot to the polling place. You give them your mail-in ballot, meaning that you're going to just hand it over to them, meaning they're, it's making it so you're not voting twice, and then you can vote in person. Um, or there's drop-off boxes and things. Sometimes those are options in some certain states. But the thing is, if the state law says it needs to be in by a certain time and maybe you dropped it off too late based on what they recommended you dropping it off and it doesn't get counted, then it's not that sometimes it's not their fault, even though it should be counted. But I don't know. It's just a mess. That's the thing. It's going to go to the Supreme Court, I'm sure, if, if there are certain states that do contest this. And I know there's going to be people upset. Um, it's just it's just everyone's waiting to see how this plays out. It, it could be a mute point. You know, you could have someone go in and just blow out and all of a sudden win all the states, and it's not really a thing anymore. It's just no one has to worry about it. Or it could be so close that this is going to be necessary in some of those battleground states. You just don't know. All of the uh, polling from four years ago seemed to be way off, so it's possible it's way off again this way or that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And 2016 was not even close considering that they were calling it for Hillary Clinton before the night was even over. I mean, they were basically saying that, uh, well, uh, 98% or something was some of the, uh, what they were looking at, 98% chance of her yeah. winning that night. And yeah, now that. you find out, not even, no, sorry. So Donald Trump ends up winning some of these key battleground states like the, you know, the Michigans, the Ohio's, the Florida's, Pennsylvania's, and some of these states that just did not anticipate. And it's pretty small margins in states like Michigan. So it could be another one of those deals. I don't know what the internal polling shows like. Um, I think everyone kind of has their feeling based on what 2016 was to not take the polls as truth. 
as in you can use them as a source, but you wouldn't want to get comfortable on those sort of things. And I think if you look at crowd size, um, you know, there's still large rallies that are going on and people are participating in different um, like driving cars. You know, they'll, they'll take like Donald Trump, for example, there's these different car caravans that they've been organizing where they put the Trump banner on the back of the pickup truck or the car or whatever. And then they drive down the highway, you know, kind of like a caravan and they'll go for, you know, miles and miles and miles. It's unbelievable how much people are going out and still showing support. So. Uh, I think that you see the enthusiasm with the Trump campaign. You don't see any enthusiasm with the Biden campaign. They're not getting out or doing anything in that sense. I don't know if that's a way to indicate that their polls may be wrong again this year. It's just so hard to tell. And I don't know if anyone really knows an answer to it. In Canada, very similar to your states that have the the heavy, um, you know, voter influence, right? But the, I, I don't know what you guys call them with seats or whatever. Uh, in Canada, we have the same problem. In Western Canada, usually there are so many seats in Eastern Canada that dictate who's going to win or not win that often before people have even voted in Western Canada, they've declared a, a winner, you know, already, and people haven't even voted yet. So in your oh, world, wow. uh, does does St. Louis matter? I think St. Louis, in a way is going to always vote Democrat on the local level. Missouri has been Republican for a little while. So we did have a, so each state has two senators, the, the way our government's set up. See, I don't know how familiar in Canada with people are when it comes to things like senators and how that works out in the state um, yeah, and the way different representation works. Yeah, that's great. So each state has two senators that represents the state. And we had a Democrat senator by the name of Claire McCaskill that lost re-election to a Republican, which kind of kind of shows you, too, there was more Republican support in the state of Missouri. And what you're also finding in some of these other states like Michigan is that Republicans that are challenging Democrats on the Senate level are actually up in the polling. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way COVID was uh, situated or at least treated inside of their individual states. So if the regulations were too, too much, you're finding that a lot of times the swing is going the other way. People, even though they would normally vote for a Democrat, just don't like to see it in their state. So things like senators or local officials, if they're upset because they lost their business, lost their home, things like that, they're starting to find that they're gravitating towards the party that didn't want that to happen, as in wanted less regulation when it came to COVID. And I think you're starting to see that on some of the different local levels. Presidential side, COVID, of course, is a real big topic. And um you know, when polling in general, I guess I have a question for you in that sense. Is polling heavily uh, talked about for you? I mean, does polling always come up in conversation or is that just like an American thing? No, it comes up here. Actually, there was a poll that was done by a group called Ipsos here in Canada about who serves Canada better in your presidency. And the numbers that came out were 70 percent of Canadians on average said Biden is a better president for Canada. 22 percent um, said Trump for a second term is better for Canadian interests. And that breaks down a couple of different ways. And it's confusing because Biden has said that the Keystone XL pipeline would be a full stop as far as he was concerned. But it really was, yeah. which is ironic because it was um, it was Obama who had really got that one going. Um, and he really kickstarted the oil, right? So um, that one's an interesting one. Uh, Alberta, uh, where I am, my province, we've have heavily invested in that pipeline as well. So that's one thing. But then, uh, so that's where uh, a, a Republican president would be better. Um, yeah. And so the one thing that like, they they don't say really Biden versus Trump versus Democrat versus Republican in this this one mm -hmm. research. Mm -hmm. So for you guys, is it like every day there's a new poll that comes out when it comes to your local elections? Are you constantly polling nonstop to kind of get an idea of where people stand? 
Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's quite as much as, as you guys do because our, our news media is not as politicized. Right. Yeah. Um, so we don't have the, you know, like a, like a, a an openly leaning um, channel that goes this way or that way. I mean, maybe some of the channels do, but it's not like the whole channel is. You could have one talk show host be a more conservative talk show host. The next host in talk radio could be incredibly liberal. Um, so it's not oh, yeah. like the channels go that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, and for us, everything's so politicized. I mean, it's like nonstop political theater, and it definitely it's not healthy. For you guys, at least, you have a window where the politics is open, and they're always like within a couple of months of an election. For us, we start like a year and a half, like a, a, way before the election. Like when we were going back and I was looking at the different um, the Democratic debates, it goes back to June of 2019 they started trying to find who was going to be running up against the incumbent. And to us, you know, political theater becomes such a big part of it. And it's no reason why so many of us are just so burnt out on this. I think we're a lot of people are just ready for it to end. And, you know, they hope their person wins. I just hope there's no violence associated with it after, because we have seen a lot of that lately. And just things have gotten so dirty. Um, Well, I'll give you a little insight about elections in Canada versus your year and a half campaign. Um, mm-hmm. Provincial elections in Canada are about four weeks from when they're announced so awesome. to when they happen. And then also the federal campaigns, the minimum length of a federal campaign is 36 days, maximum length is 50. Yeah. So if they were to <laughs> announce tomorrow that there's going to be a federal election in Canada, it's going to happen within about yeah. five weeks. I feel like that's awesome, but I also feel like the politicians here are always working on their name and their branding. They're always trying to get as much as they can in front of the public that there's no way, even if you were to limit the window, they would be able to do it. No. Well, Ryan, I look forward to uh, connecting. We've got to go. Um, That was fast. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe uh, later in the week here, maybe we can, you know, let's, let's chat, see if we can connect and get some, some feedback after it all happens. I hope so, and I hope uh, no internet problems. Thanks for dealing with that with us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ryan. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Shane. We'll see you. So uh, we hook up on Sundays with the late shift. Shane does an excellent job up there, and I always enjoy our conversations together. I think my internet's back up, so when we come back after the break, we'll guess we'll find out very quickly if my internet's up or not. So I think we'll find out together. It's Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. In Overnight America, we're back, and I got the internet back. So I was down for about 30 minutes at least. I think it went out about 12.10. I didn't even know I was off. Yeah, the, the thing was because I, I didn't know. I was just doing my show, doing my thing, having a good old time, and then next thing I know, I... Get a call from producer Ben who says, hey, uh, we're not connected anymore. So I'm hoping that it stays a little bit, and I'm hoping that we don't have another disruption. Yeah, but at least we're able to do that segment with our friends up in Canada over the phone. I'm glad we were still able to do that with Shane. Yeah, what a bummer for all that's happening. But, hey, I feel like a lot of times the different tech companies, they try to schedule their overnight maintenance Sundays overnight into Monday morning when they feel like there's less people using their services as opposed to in the middle of the day. So, hey, we're back together. We got it now. That's always a good sign. Um, You know, I played Kevin Kleen's whole other story, and I think none of it aired because, <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe my Internet provider, see, I get Spectrum, 
maybe my internet provider realized that I was just going to play some more Mariah Carey, and they said, no, we're going to cut him off the air. Then they're on the background. They said, uh, do we want to hear this or not? Is it too early for Christmas music? Uh, let's cut them off. See, giving producer Ben a heart attack, not talking there. So that's what <laughs> they were doing on that end. You know, I might as well bring this up. There's some things that are just not explainable. And I saw this from Popular Mechanics, and it's so strange. It's a mystery that no one knows the answer to. Kind of like if the Internet's going to go out or if it's going to pop back up. You know, and, uh, since March? March, uh, yeah. Since March, I have been... Um, has been working from here in the basement and only once as a cutoff on my side. One time it cut off on their side. Only once has a cutoff on my side. So that's the number two. I think overall that's not too bad. But here's something even more strange. The planet Earth has been pulsating and it's been pulsating every 26 seconds. To kind of give you an idea, every 26 seconds of a pulsation, let me bring up my stopwatch, and I'm going to set it to 26 seconds, okay? Um, let's see, timer. Maybe it's i got to do a timer. Zero, and then 26 seconds. So let's say it just pulsated. Then another one starts going. But that's what it is. It's just a real quick little mm, one of those deals. So why is the Earth doing this every 26 seconds? Scientists cannot explain it. And they've been trying to figure this out for the past 60 years, wrapped in all kinds of different theories, predictabilities, phenomenons, regular seismic chirps. Oh, see, that's that was 26 seconds. That's all it took, 26 seconds. It's amazing how slow or fast 26 seconds can go. In the 1960s, a geologist named Jack Oliver first documented the pulse, and they couldn't figure out how in the world it was so regular and why it could time it out so easily so regular. Scientists have spent a lot of time listening to the pulse and even finding out where it's coming from. They believe part of the Gulf of Guinea, called the Bite of Bonnie, is where this could originate from. But researchers think that this pulse has some kind of uh, cause. There's some reason for it. You know, but they just don't know what it is. Isn't that strange? This is where conspiracy theories on YouTube are the best. Because you can hop over there and you'll say, okay, why in the world is there some sort of pulsation going on in the Earth? And you know what they'll say? Ancient aliens. I mean, is that really the answer to everything? You know, uh, by the way, you know what YouTube is starting to do? I don't know if you watch videos on YouTube, follow certain personalities on YouTube. But if you divulge into conspiracy theory, they'll just kick you off. Like, they don't like that sort of thing on their platform. And they um, have got, made a pretty big effort to try to get rid of certain conspiracy theories. Now, I don't know if it's just political or some of which may be innocent in nature, as in people speculating why there's a pulsation every 26 seconds on the planet Earth. Could it be that there is some sort of uh, lizard hybrid of a society that lives under and then they're just waiting to take over? Could it be that... Maybe the aliens are starting to come back up and they found their way and they're just waiting for the opportunity to take over the land. Or is it possible that Godzilla 
living under the ocean has just found its way and will be coming up and smashing cities here soon. Could it be one of those? Of course not. It's not any of those things. It's just weird. You know what's amazing to me? There's so much we don't know about our own planet. There's so much we haven't been able to figure out that we talk about discovering and flying other in other civilizations and you know we want to reach out and talk to aliens even though i don't think it's going to be ever happen but we want all these things to happen but we have so many mysteries that we haven't been able to solve on our own planet we are able to map almost all of the land here on the planet yeah we're not not everything is mapped under the sea by the way we're only mapping like less than five percent of the water isn't that amazing there's so much that we haven't discovered on this planet that if we were to just be able to figure out and get this stuff in line, then maybe we can start working on other things. But then again, I do like space exploration and travel, and it's pretty awesome to see those billion-dollar photos when they come back. Don't get me wrong. Elon Musk can't wait to get to Mars. He's putting up this whole Internet satellite deal. Maybe I should look to switch to his Internet. Maybe it would be more reliable. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.